0: This is our first episode recording since the tragic death of Anton Yelchin. Before we start, we would like to express our condolences to the family and friends of a gifted actor taken away from us too soon.
1: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode brought to you on the Four Eyed Radio Network. If you want to see more shows, eh? check out Eh? Sorry about that. Starfleet Escape Podcast Prepare for launch in 3 2 1 Enjoy the ride Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the 4-eyed radio network where we escape into the Star Trek universe This is episode number 65 and is being recorded on July 15th 2016 Today's topic Star Trek's first LGBT character. I'm Aaron.
0: I'm Eric. And I'm back. I'm Doug. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Revenge Lover, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Hey, guys. Hello.
1: Hello. A lot has happened since our last episode. I think we really need to just jump in and, and tackle it.
0: Sounds good to me. Let's All
1: right. go. <laughs> All right, so our first segment of the show. Oh, welcome back, Doug. Thanks for again. joining us again. Thanks for having me again. Our first segment uh, would you buy it? And, gentlemen, would you purchase uh, this item?
0: No, only because I don't collect them. Mm.
1: Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I forgive you. Doug? Uh, yes, I would buy this. Yes. And I actually have already purchased it. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) There it is. Uh, What are we talking about? The Hallmark Limited Edition Checkoff Keepsake Ornament available in store only for $15.95. And this is inspired by the Star Trek Legends series. This is not part of the series, but it's uh, it can fit right into place with them. Uh, And it's uh, crafted by Anita Mara Rogers.
0: Let me ask you, why is it not part of the Legends series when it looks just like them?
1: Uh, it, I don't know. It actually says Star Trek Legends on it. <laughs> but um,
0: <laughs> So it is?
1: But on the back it says this ornament is inspired by Star Trek Legends series.
0: Hmm. That's odd
1: yeah so uh, this is a uh, limited edition. The other ones in the series weren't limited oh. uh so this is basically first come first serve if you don't get it, you're out of luck.
0: now they've been doing these original series characters as ornaments over the years mm-hmm. is check off the last one
1: uh so in in this in the Legends series it, yes. Okay. was the last one. Uh, Last year was Uhura. Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
1: And uh, then they announced that they were going to do a Chekhov, which I I don't know why it wasn't part of the original run. Yeah. But someone made an interesting point. They put Kirk, Sulu, and Chekhov together, and the uniform color is
0: different in each of them. That's weird.
1: That is weird.
0: So, no real consistency there
1: the sizes are the are the same
0: well, that's good <laughs> like, at least uh, yeah
1: <laughs> uh, the look of them is are the is the same mm-hmm. uh, These are smaller than the ornaments from uh, the nineties like uh if you compare them to the like uh, Commander Riker or the wharf from the nineties mm-hmm. those are like double the size of of The Legend series. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Well, did you have a chance to open it? What do you think of it?
1: Um, Well, I opened it as I was leaving the store to make sure it was in there, because the box is fairly light. (laughs) Um, And it's just packaged in uh, tissue paper. And uh, the detailing is pretty good. Oh, wow. I don't know if you can really see it. Hmm. Uh, But he's holding a tricorder and there's detailing on the tricorder, like you can see where the screen should be, and you can see some buttons on it. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, a little um, strap, nylon strap, connecting it. And it's, uh, it's a decent model. The painting on it is very well done. Uh, in contrast, uh, well, there is some a little paint bleeding from the uh, the hairline.
0: I feel that's pretty typical in any... Uh, mo- or any ornament like this
1: yeah uh, but not not that bad it's it's uh, the paint job is much better than uh, the Orion slave girl.
0: I remember I you, you hated that that was very bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I didn't I hate it. I, it the paint job wasn't as good as I would hope. but one cool thing the paint on the shoes yeah. is a shinier. Than the paint of the, of the pants.
0: Oh, so to get that glossy boot feel. That's actually pretty cool. That's a nice detail. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you can get your hands on it, I suggest doing it. It's only, fifteen ninety five. Yeah, fifteen
2: ninety five. That's not too bad for some of those ornaments. Some of those are yeah.
1: crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The. Uh, I I got this one only because it's limited edition. Um, The other ones that are coming out, there's a gold Enterprise, original series Enterprise, uh, that I did not purchase because I'm going to uh, hopefully get that as a Christmas gift. And there's also uh, the Man Trap. Ornaments where that
0: oh, uh, yeah, the, the salt creature is yeah, the
1: salt right vampire is like attacking Kirk and Kirk has this uh, look of agony on his face <laughs> uh, perfectly captured <laughs> <laughs> uh, <My.
0: laughs>
1: when you think Christmas you think of agonizing pain
0: so, I do every year I mean what
1: yeah. <laughs> well last year they had Spock's death scene
0: Oh, my. <laughs> These are horrible for Christmas ornaments. Like, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, that's a good ornament. I have it out in the office, actually. Hmm. Um, oh, okay. as it, you know, it doesn't need to be hung.
0: Well, let's get on to the news.
1: On June 19th, 2016, Anton Yelchin was killed outside of his home in Los Angeles when his car rolled down his driveway, pinning him against a security fence and brick mailbox pillar. His death was ruled an accident as the result of blunt traumatic asphyxia. His 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee was subject to a recall. Fiat Chrysler will be investigating the circumstances behind his death.
0: Jeez, what a... Just what a tragic loss. I mean, he was so young... And I mean, any death is is sad, but I mean, for Star Trek fans, especially so close to the release of the movie, it's like this was like a month before the movie uh, releases. It's just really unfortunate. When when I read the news, I was just I was just flabbergasted. I couldn't really believe it. I'm, I'm glad there are so many people that you know express their you know respect and their condolences all of his castmates from the movies and, and all that stuff, I actually made a commitment to myself to actually watch more of his movies that I haven't seen yet. So I actually watched uh, like My Dead Ex-Girlfriend that he was in. Okay. So it's kind of like a horror comedy. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, and he was actually really good in it. So mm. it's just it's just sad that we lost such a talent and... I, I don't know how they're going to handle that in the alternate timeline, like for the movies. Oh. If there's like a, a fourth movie, etc. Right.
1: Well, uh, J.J. Uh, said that there's a one hundred percent chance that they're going to have a fourth movie, but he also said that the Axnar lawsuit was going to be dropped. So you can't always trust what uh, right. J.J. is going to say. <laughs> so I would imagine that he would be possibly transferred to another ship in between movies.
0: So you think they still keep his his character alive in the alternate universe out of, like, respect and... Right. That that makes sense. Well, plus it's an alternate reality, so Mm -hmm. Chekhov can go on a different career path if he wanted to.
1: Right. I saw someone post uh, somewhere online that maybe he is transferred to the Reliant. Oh, Okay. Uh, so the ship from... Uh,
0: the Wrath of Khan. The Wrath of Khan, yeah. So kind of like a nod to that movie. Because right. the Khan events have already happened. So, right. no, that's that's a really good idea.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure who posted I wish I could give them credit, but that, that was a good idea.
0: I can easily see them doing, like, uh, In Memory of, at the beginning of Beyond, for not only Leonard Nimoy, but for Anton Yelchin.
1: So, I mean, the only... Uh, Good thing that could come out of this is that people who were not aware of this recall, because this happened to someone of of uh, fame. Hopefully, they will get out and get their car checked, because locally in Massachusetts, this happened to someone here. They they didn't die, oh. but their car rolled Jeez. back and almost hit them. So after this came out, they interviewed that guy and was like, and he said. That hopefully this will get people people's attention and they'll take heed and not ignore the recall notice that they get.
0: Yeah, yeah it's it was just such a weird and unfortunate accident. I mean, yeah, you, you don't expect anything like that to happen, especially to someone you know like like Anton Yelchin. Right. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's tragic, and I wish the best for his, his family and friends and, and the entire cast, because yeah. it seemed like they were all really close with right. each other.
1: Yeah. All right, so let's, let's move on to some happier news. Rihanna's Sledgehammer song-slash-video was released, uh, and this is uh, a song that goes along with Star Trek Beyond. Probably in the credits scene. Uh, I don't think this would be played during the movie.
0: Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be the whole
2: movie. It's just gonna play on loop. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I actually, wa- I actually want that to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the visuals in the video are pretty spectacular.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. the The video was amazing. Was super well produced and. Um, I actually took a few screenshots on my iPhone and I made it my Twitter banner, like that shot of the Enterprise where it's all like oh, that yeah. purple hue.
1: Yeah, like, and like her face. Yeah,
0: no, not her face. It was just oh. a close-up shot of the saucer of the oh, okay. Enterprise. Oh, okay. And um uh, oh, huh? I was gonna say, but that shot you're talking about, Aaron, is awesome. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a good shot, and I really liked like her alien movements and. Mm -hmm. Like, the choreography, too, was really excellent. Um, You could believe that she was some kind of alien in this universe. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but you can see the Yorktown space station in the background in the sky. Yeah,
1: almost like this was a moon moon trailer.
0: Yeah. Huh. So I thought that was a nice touch. Um, Yeah. I, personally, I really like the song. I'm not, I've never really listened to a lot of Rihanna before, I really liked I liked the video. I liked the video where she was talking about being a fan of Star Trek. Yeah, I that thought was that cool. was really cool. Yep. Yeah, The marketing for Beyond is great, but I, I really like this particular tie-in. It's, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely not Star Trek-like uh, to have like a pop star music video uh, for a Star Trek film. I guess there was for the motion picture. They almost had that, where they had uh, Um. a song with lyrics and whatnot. And I guess that uh, didn't make it. And uh, Renegades, if you remember, had like this kind of thing. It was like a pop song, uh, which at the time I was like, man, who would do that? And then, flash forward, Star Trek doesn't. Star Trek
0: (laughs) actually does it. But to be fair, Renegades had like some unknown whoever, and it was a terrible song and video. Whereas Star Trek got freaking Rihanna right. and made a, an amazingly produced video. Yeah. So, I, I mean, maybe they saw Renegades and were like, hey, let's do that. But <laughs> whatever the tie-in, I I mean, it's I think it's still opening up for a, a larger audience and you know, hey, it's the 50th anniversary, so let's do whatever. Oh,
2: yeah. I really appreciate the fact that it's not a typical tie-in music video that just randomly
0: cuts in scenes from the movie. Oh, God, I hate those. <laughs> and I was, I was afraid that that was what it was going to be. But really, it's her acting like an alien yeah. and doing weird telekinesis stuff. I, I loved it. It was cool. Yeah, I like it. Uh, next... James Colley of Star Trek: New Voyages/Phase Two fan film fame is opening his meticulously designed original series sets for a official tour. Located in Ticonderoga, New York, and under license by CBS Consumer Products, the set tour brings memories to life by allowing fans to boldly go and tour the sets of the legendary. Starship Enterprise. So, I hate to, like, tie in, like, Axanar drama to this stuff. I've seen the R drama. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Related to this. Yeah. But there's basically, there's, like, a lot of feuding between Alec Alec Peters and James Collie because of New Voyages was really the first real fan film series to do multiple episodes. And they' sets are absolutely gorgeous. Like, they nailed down the original series sets perfectly. And so for CBS to officially license a tour based on a fan film is kind of ironic considering they're in a lawsuit with a fan film <laughs> property. But to me, it's like, okay, New Voyages did it right. And I was actually on the CBS Paramount versus Axanar Facebook group, and James Colley actually popped in there, and he said, you know, we've been keeping this under wraps for six months. It, it was really hard, you know, not saying anything when all this other stuff was going on, and he said that, you know, it's he was working with. CBS and Paramount, and everyone else was saying, yeah, that's the right way to do it. That's what Axonar failed to do, and uh, then Alec Peters opened his mouth and was like, well, yeah, but I helped him with the original, blah, 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 and and James Colley was like, mm, no, you didn't. Bye. <laughs> so it's like, whatever. But no, this is amazing, and the sets look great, and I definitely want to go to Ticonderoga, New York, and visit the hell out of these sets.
1: Yeah, because I guess it's the same layout as the Desi Studios.
0: It's the exact same layout. They took the original blueprints and recreated it. So, I mean, James Collie is a huge Trekkie, mm-hmm. and you can see it when you watch New Voyages. That looks like the exact same set. It's, right. it's crazy. Yeah. So Indeed. good on them. Good on them. I would totally take a road trip to visit that.
1: Uh, as as would I. It's uh, New York's not too far from me, I suppose. Yeah, I was
0: <laughs> gonna say you're closer.
1: Yeah, that's easier yeah. for you. Yeah, indeed.
0: <laughs> road tripping.
1: Uh, so speaking of fan films, so since our last episode came out, we were talking about fan film guidelines, and then they released yes. actual fan film guidelines. So before we actually get into the guidelines, I want to talk about uh, some fan films which have tweaked themselves to uh, fit within these guidelines. So first, uh, we have Star Trek Renegades, which we just uh, mentioned. For those who don't know, they were in the process of filming their second episode where they have two Vok. They were going to have Nog. They were going to have Jake Sisko. They were going to have uh, Jadzia Dax. They were going to have Chakotay. They are uh, going to have everyone. They were going to have everyone. <laughs> even, even the original Chekhov. Uh, yep. so, Not uh, anymore. <laughs> since these guidelines have come out, uh, they have stripped the Star Trek branding, and now Renegades takes place in its own isolated... Sci fi universe. Huh. Character names and makeup have been changed.
0: Which, which one of the things that you pointed out, Aaron, mm-hmm. was they had like a Morn from Deep Space Nine. Yeah. It, like his makeup. All they did was change him red and put sunglasses on him. Yeah. I'm like, that's still. <laughs> what? It's still a Morn. <laughs>
1: It's still
0: more like anyone could look at that and go, like, okay, Morn has sunburn. What happened there?
1: <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Get
0: some uh, sunblock on him. I mean, they changed the uniforms. The uniforms look horribly generic. Um,
1: well, I think those those were the uniforms they were planning on going with because they were still Star Trek-esque. Yeah. Um, I think they're an improvement over the other uniforms they had in the first...
0: Well, now here's the thing. Like, that first film still exists, so it's like, how is the story going to change? Like, is it just going to be like, yeah, we're doing stuff. Ignore (laughs) the first movie. Yep, pretty much. And then it's weird because, like, the names that were changed Mm -hmm. are so similar to the names that already exist. So instead of Dax, it's like, Tracks or whatever. Oh, no, no, no.
1: It was instead of Jadzia, it's uh, like Jada.
0: Yeah, Jada.
1: And, uh, well, I was, was going to say, they started filming some of this uh, before this uh, came out, so they have to dub over some names, like Tuvok. Uh, so it's uh, Kovok, I think now. It's like,
0: yeah, Kovok. I'm like, really, guys? <laughs> yeah,
1: because they're going to have to dub over. over Tuvok, and that's obviously... They have to do something that looks (laughs) similar. similar. I just
0: think, like, the only reason I watched the first Star Trek Renegades was because of the Star Trek connection and the actors. Now that they've dropped it, I really don't care anymore. (laughs) Especially if they change that Andorian character, because she was cool. It's like, well, now what? Is she going to be, like, yellow with... Weird antennae now. It's like what? It's dumb. Yeah. Like, do they just replace whole characters? Because there was like a Breen on that ship, which was a full suited thing. So it's like, did they just get rid of that guy? Like, I I don't know. It's just did t-
1: they change the paint color on the <laughs> uniform?
0: Did they change the CGI of the ship? Otherwise, that's like that screams that still screams Star Trek.
1: Yeah. No, it does. Um. And you have huge characters like uh, uh, the main character who's the, supposed to be the daughter of Khan
0: what yeah. is she now the the daughter of Saan <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know it's just to me i i think they should have just i don't know closed up shop and
1: well i mean what i mean they already they had a kickstarter for the second one um i mean
0: well they, but that's the thing. It's like I'm sure those Kickstarter people did it because it was Star Trek, not because oh, yeah. it's like random sci-fi whatevers.
1: Yeah, but I mean, what what are they gonna do? They're not gonna give back money. We already know that, right?
0: Well, I, I know Axanar's is not giving back. <laughs> money. Yeah.
1: So also,
0: <laughs>
1: Star Trek anthology, which we talked about maybe once.
0: Did uh, we? I don't even remember that one.
1: It's it hasn't come out yet, and it's been a process. It was going to be an anthology where they go on different ships, storylines. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them was going to be uh, Gary Seven from the original series, that like, like a
0: secret spin-off? agent, like a spinoff.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they were going to have one of him, and then a couple of others, you know, to make an anthology. Interesting note uh, that Gary Seven was actually actual actually, I can't speak. It was like a backdoor pilot episode for a actual show.
0: That yeah, they were back going in to the have. 60s. Yeah, back
1: in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, so they rebranded from Star Trek anthology to
0: the Outer Rim. So it's just gonna be random sci-fi stories that have nothing to do with Star Trek now.
1: I don't know. I, I reached out because the first uh, time I saw this, they had uh, sent me a direct uh, message on Twitter some time ago. And uh, I, I saw it on TweetDeck that the uh, their Twitter had changed. Uh, so then I reached out to them and I was like, hey, uh, is this rebranding because of
0: the fan film guidelines? Fan
1: film and our guidelines, and are you not going to be Star Trek? they pointed me to their website, which didn't really explain anything other (laughs) than the names changed. Okay. So I was like, all right, well, oh well. (laughs) Uh, But uh, the guy's been on uh, Clive's uh, podcast. Oh, okay. uh, Some kind of Star Trek. Uh, So, I mean, the guy seems cool, and I wish them luck, but I don't know how any fan film, Star Trek fan film, is going to succeed?
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think they will unless they get creative with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, this definitely puts an end to like continues and. Yeah. So I, I don't know. They haven't really said anything official yet. So. Uh,
1: no, they've been tweeting and posting a lot of like behind-the-scenes photographs on their official feeds.
0: Yeah, from episodes that have already been completed.
1: Yeah, so I, I haven't seen anything else. Um,
0: yeah. So. Which is was, unfortunate, because I love Continues.
1: Yeah, Continues was definitely the best of the fan films that were out there. And I can honestly say I don't like fan films because it's not really star trek right it's not canon and they never really done well but continues hit it with this with oh, yeah. uh with what they did and that's the only fan film that i actually was excited to see
0: yeah. so that's, that's a shame uh well next uh engage the official star trek podcast Uh, with host Jordan Hoffman, interviewed John Van uh, Sitters of CBS. That's episode five of their podcast. And this talks about all about the fan film guidelines because uh, John Van Sitters is like the licensing and products VP uh, for CBS and deals exclusively with Star Trek.
1: Yeah, so if Uh, you see something that you don't like, blame him. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but no, he's he's an awesome guy on Twitter. I follow him there, and I think he followed me back. and um, this was actually the first episode of the Engage podcast that I listened to. Uh, and it's, it's very well done. I was very engaged. Throughout the whole thing, uh. and um, yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and no, I mean they explained the guidelines fairly well. I thought they answered uh, some questions from other fans, and I going like after I was done listening to that episode, I was fairly positive about the guidelines, and I really had no concerns about them. So,
1: uh, yeah. Everything, every point uh, he made made sense. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't like they, you know, just pulled this out of their butt or something.
0: No, no, they've been working on this for a while. Right. Uh, well, speaking of the guidelines, let's go through them. Uh, oh number my. one. Oh. <laughs> <what>? <laughs> oh my. Uh, yes. So the first one, a fan production must be less than fifteen minutes for a single self-contained story, or no more than two segments, episodes, or parts, not to exceed 30 minutes total, with no additional seasons, episode, parts, sequels, or remakes.
1: Right. So that pretty much ends any continuous production, like continues.
0: Especially when Continues had 45- to 50-minute episodes, which were the length of an original series episode.
1: Right, yeah. So, I mean, the time constraints and the constraints of having more than one episode.
0: Yep. Number
1: two, the title of the fan production or any parts cannot include the name Star Trek. However, the title must contain a subtitle with the phrase "a Star Trek fan production" in plain typeface, the fan production cannot use the term "official" in either its title or subtitle, or in any marketing promotion or social media for the fan production.
0: Well, that makes sense. So, yeah, no Star Trek Renegades, no Star
3: Trek this
2: is continues. The official
0: film. Yeah, yeah, which so that makes sense.
2: The content in the fan production must be original, not reproductions, recreations, or clips from any Star Trek production. If non-Star Trek third-party content is used, all necessary permissions for any third-party content should be obtained
0: in writing. That also makes sense. It's fairly fairly clear-cut for copyright reasons. Yeah.
1: Right, and in the Engage podcast, they make a good point. Star Trek or the property owners of Star Trek don't own the music rights that's hmm. owned by the individual producers, I guess. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, so you can't take the enterprise theme and our Star Trek theme and use it because they don't own it.
0: Hmm. I see. So you would have to actually go to the original artist or the estate mm-hmm. and say, Hey, can we use this music in our fan production? Right. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, number four, if the fan production uses commercially available Star Trek uniforms, accessories, toys, and props, these items must be official merchandise and not bootleg items or imitations of such commercially available products. Again, they want to support their licensors and you right. know generate business for them. And I will say they have official things for all of this stuff. Like, Anovos makes all the replica uniforms.
1: Right, and I think that's what Continues used. Yeah. But other fan films make their uniforms.
0: That's true, but they can still do that, but they can't sell them. That's the Uh, thing. That's the thing that they cleared up in the Engage podcast. You can still make your own homemade props, as long as you're not like slapping it into silicone and making resin copies and selling them,
1: right. But they also said you can't have uh, like a dollar store laser pistol and call it a phaser.
0: Right. It has to. It still has to look like a phaser. Right. Or you can just buy a freaking like Playmates phaser <laughs> on eBay. <laughs> for, like, ten bucks. And, I mean, come on, yeah. So, there's stuff out there that's official, so, yeah. Uh,
1: So, number five, the fan production must be a real fan production, i.e., creators, actors, and all other participants must be amateurs, cannot be compensated for their services, and cannot be currently or previously employed on any Star Trek series, films, production of DVDs, or with (laughs) any of CBS or Paramount Pictures' licensees.
0: I think this one was aimed squarely at Robert Meyer Burnett, who was set to direct Axanar. And good, because... Yeah, he's a jerk. He's a complete jerk on social media regarding this R thing.
1: Yeah, and he was a kind of a jerk when he was on our podcast. I mean, I yeah. edited it out, but he was, like, talking on his phone during our podcast.
0: Yeah, he seemed like he did not even care to be on this. And it's like, when I got that attitude from him, I was like, okay, man, whatever. I actually had an argument with him this past weekend on oh. Twitter because I corrected something that he miss said about Axanar and he just like and went into it. I'm like, "Uh, okay dude, calm down. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, this one was squarely aimed at him like, because he produced all of the bonus features on the star Trek next generation blu rays for the remaster. And really I'm, I'm glad that, you know, like they said on the engage podcast, this sets an equal bar for all future fan productions. That means you don't you can't get your Hollywood connections and get freaking Gary Graham to come back as Saval from Enterprise. Right. Y- you know, so it's like they kind of set the bar on an even playing field because not everyone not every fan production is gonna have connections to like Tim Russ to come back as Tubok or right. whatever. So, no, I'm, I'm really glad that they put that in, and um, I, I, I like it. I fully agree with that. It, it makes a lot of sense, but I, I, I'm wondering
2: how wide that net goes. Because, like, this is this is a hyper-specific question, but it says, any of CBS or Paramount Pictures' licensees. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that applies to just, like, th- that means it applies to every CBS property, right?
0: No, no, no. Um, I think licensee, like, Star Trek licensees. Oh, okay. So, like, I I couldn't get someone from Anovos to, like, star in it or, or something. You know, I can't have, like, someone from Anovos create, like, our own Star Trek uniforms that aren't going to be okay. sold. Like, like, that kind of a thing. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Like, I can't get Scott Bakula to be in my fan production to a star as Jonathan Archer, yeah. Even though that would be freaking amazing, like, so it just it kind of levels the playing field, I think.
2: Okay, yeah, that makes sense now that I'm rereading it. You, so you, you could go find a bunch of random contestants on CBS shows mm-hmm. <laughs> and be like, Let's <laughs>
0: <play it." laughs> maybe I don't
2: like that network is huge, yeah, you know? but I'm, but I'm then,
1: not sure. I, I would think anyone that's ever been paid by CBS might be
0: out. no one void. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, because I would totally like to work for CBS, but if I worked for CBS, I probably couldn't do this podcast because it would probably be some kind of conflict of interest.
0: Hmm. That's true. That's yeah. interesting. I would drop this podcast in a heartbeat if I could work with CBS. I mean, oh, sorry, Aaron. Me too, <laughs>
1: uh... <laughs> no,
0: no but, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, hell, I I would stop doing Ranger Command Power Hour if I worked for Saban. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I I mean that just that. Just well, I mean if sense. I work
1: for an actual Star Trek production, like not just like oh, yeah. not just like a CBS like local news station, I'm talking like see C- no, like, Star Trek. That's
0: what I meant. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. All right. I, I was gonna say you could like still, just I go mean, to Saban, a
0: local affiliate I mean... and, <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah. screw you guys. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All
2: right, moving on. Number six is a doozy. The fan production must be non-commercial, and then there's a bunch of uh, bits (laughs) that define that. So CBS and Paramount Pictures do not object to limited fundraising for the creation of a fan production, whether one or two segments, and consistent with these guidelines, so long as the total amount does not exceed $50,000, including all platform fees, and when the $50,000 goal is reached, all fundraising must cease. I think that's fair.
1: Yeah, because with with like Axonar in past, uh,
0: <laughs> one and a half million or one one million one and a half million dollars. Where did that go? I don't know.
1: Right. So I mean, <laughs> they they reached their goal.
0: Yeah, and, and then and they it.
1: they kept going. So this is saying that like once you hit that cap, you can't go. They're done. Yeah, you yeah. can't have. Uh, oh, what were they calling it? Um. I can't think of off the top of my head what they were calling it. Uh, oh, stretch goals! Stretch goals, yeah, that's it. And then they had different perks for these stretch goals.
0: Yeah, none of that anymore.
2: It's a common thing, but if nothing else, that like it holds it holds these productions accountable to their budgets and their plans. You know, like yeah. they have to pay attention to what they're spending stuff on, and they can't just they can't just say, "Oh crap, we got a million dollars, and now we can do whatever we
0: want." You know. Yeah, we got a million and a half dollars and two years later we still don't have a fan film. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But like with with $50,000, like what they were saying on the Engage podcast was for 15 to 30 minutes, you can do a lot with $50,000. Like that's going to show on screen.
1: Yeah, and they were saying that if like your mom gave you an extra 20 bucks for it, they weren't going to go after you. For yeah. Yeah. Extra yeah. 20 bucks. So I mean, yeah. they're not out there to get you. They're just looking after their property, which they have the right to do.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that what they were also saying on the Engage podcast, along with what you were saying, Aaron, was that yeah, they're not they're not going to go after you if you're like thirty minutes and like thirty seconds over or. You know, something like that. As long as, as these guidelines, as long as you're within the reasonable amount, like, they're, they're not going to sue every fan production under the sun. I just think Axanar did a pretty big... Boo-boo? Boo-boo. F <laughs> up. And, and, yeah, so, I mean, come on, 50,000 versus, you know, a million? Uh-huh. It's it's pretty clear. So there's a
2: bunch of other stuff that defines it as non-commercial. The other ones aren't as long, though. So the fan production must only be exhibited or distributed uh, on a no-charge basis and or shared via streaming services without generating revenue. So that one's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Um, It also can't be distributed in a physical format, such as a DVD or a Blu-ray. But what about VHS, yo? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah.
1: <laughs> Laser disc.
2: The fan production cannot be used to derive advertising revenue, including uh, but not limited to, through, for example, that's an interesting sentence. The use of pre or post-roll advertising, click-through advertising banners that is associated with the fan production. So those are some interesting ones. The two, the first two make a lot of sense. Yeah. The third one's pretty interesting. There's a couple more. <laughs> there are a couple more. Um, no unlicensed Star Trek-related or fan production-related merchandise or services can be offered for sale or given away as premiums, perks, or rewards, or in connection with the fan production fundraising, which is a very interesting point. Yes. Um, and finally, the fan production cannot derive revenue by selling or licensing fan-created production sets, props, or costumes. So a lot of just See, stuff defines it as non-commercial through
0: not making money, really. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, because you can fundraise, but don't make any other money on top of that. That's, right. that's a big no-no. I think those are all pretty straightforward. Yeah, Most of that stuff makes a lot of sense if you're
2: talking about amateur, non-commercial productions.
0: It's pretty much opposite to what everything Axanar did wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Number seven, the fan production must be family-friendly and suitable for public presentation. Videos must not include profanity, nudity, obscenity, pornography, depictions of drugs, alcohol, tobacco, or any harmful or illegal activity, or any material that is offensive, fraudulent, defamatory, libelous, disparaging, sexually explicit, threatening, hateful, or any other inappropriate content. The content of the fan production cannot violate any individual's right of privacy. Basically, make Star Trek. Don't make Star Trek the porno or Star Trek the snuff film. Oh God. <laughs> just snuff make film.
3: Dear Lord. <laughs> um.
0: just make Star Trek a small episode. <laughs> like Because, come on, it's the 24th century. They're not going to be like hey mother Effer and I'm gonna snort some coke on the planet Riza like I mean come on well uh, true but
1: uh, there are episodes that deal with uh, drug use not with humans with aliens for the most part
0: right um, I'm I'm just thinking they're like they're like okay don't make it grim dark that's essentially what they're saying like you can still deal with maybe some of those themes mm-hmm. but don't have it be like... The focus of it, like, don't swear just to swear. Oh yeah, because that's what Renegades did. It was like, I, oh, bastard, and this and that. Yeah, well, I Data mean, swore
1: in, in generations for no apparent reason.
0: Because of his emotion chip. And... Maybe,
2: maybe they're very emotional
1: in in Renegades.
2: I imagine this still allows for some of the allegorical stuff. You know, like I imagine. Oh yeah. It- Just like, in the real world, don't offend people who actually exist.
3: (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Number eight, the fan production must display the following disclaimer in the on-screen credits of the fan productions and on any marketing material including the fan production website or page hosting the fan's production. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Star Trek and all related marks, logos, and characters are solely owned by CBS Studios, Inc. This fan production is not endorsed by, sponsored by, nor affiliated with CBS, Paramount Pictures, or any other Star Trek franchise, and is a non-commercial, fan-made film intended for recreational use. No commercial exhibition or distribution is permitted no alleged independent rights will be asserted against CBS or Paramount Pictures.
2: Yes. <laughs> Most of that stuff should have been in in the credits or title or something. Most anyway. of them had
1: something very similar to this
0: yeah. already. Yeah. The, yeah. So this is just like, this is officially what you need to say. Yeah,
1: yeah. the official wording before it was you know, yeah, CBS owns this. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah, CBS owns <laughs> this, <lenses>, you see. <laughs> no,
1: no infringement intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
0: don't know what I'm doing. I don't
2: know <laughs> either. The next one's super straightforward. Creators of fan productions must not seek to register their works nor any elements of the works under copyright or trademark law.
0: Oh man, I can't register Bob the Andorian. Like, come on!
1: <laughs> Damn it. You can register Bob the Crandorian. <laughs>
0: Crandor... Oh, that sounds like cranberries. Mm. <laughs> Tasty. Ah, yes. The the proud Crandorian people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you want to register something, uh, make it your own. Don't use Star
0: Trek. Yeah, just do your own thing. Yeah. Fan productions cannot create or imply any association or or endorsement by CBS or Paramount Pictures. Don't say, hey, uh, Jack over at uh, CBS told me to make this fan film. (laughs) (laughs) No, he didn't. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, finally, CBS and Paramount Pictures reserve the right to revise, revoke, and or withdraw these guidelines at any time in their own discretion. These guidelines are not a license and do not constitute approval or authorization of any fan productions or a waiver of any rights that CBS or Paramount Pictures may have with respect to fan fiction created outside of these guidelines. So there you go. That's the full guidelines. The full Monty. There it is. And we haven't even got to our main topic yet. <laughs>
1: I know. It's, it's uh, a lot to talk about since our last episode. Yes. Uh, so we need to make sure we got that out there.
0: And, uh, and but, but really, people, if you want to know more about these guidelines, definitely check out the Engage podcast episode 5.
1: Right. And I'm entertained with uh, the Engage podcast in general.
0: Yeah. I could
1: do without all of the advertisements in the show, but, you know, the guy's got to eat. So. <laughs> it's uh, true. Yeah. You, you just got to deal with it. I would definitely suggest since they're going to be getting all of the big names on the show you should probably listen
0: yeah they're going to have some good things on there
1: yeah most definitely so why don't we jump into the topic of the show star trek's first lgbt character Woo-hoo!
2: yeah what a, and- what an interesting coincidence that I recorded with you last time about this exact topic.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and just as... It was, it was literally like the next week, and it's yeah. like, hey, here we go. And it's like, wait, <laughs> what? I thought we were going to wait till the Star Trek 2017 thing. Yep. Nope, it's happening this year for the 50th, <laughs> which is great, which is great. Yeah, but it's like, awesome. yeah, I, w- I wasn't expecting this. It's it's really interesting too because like
2: I would have expected it from the show and I would have expected the movie to have been like let's just let's let's not touch that like there's a show it's gonna it'll it'll go there let's just keep doing what
0: we're doing So but it's sure. really cool that the the movie's doing it we, and that was the thing that they okay we should get it out of the way so surprise surprise Sulu was gay <laughs> I knew it. Uh, like, I knew it all along when he had his sweaty, bare chest in that one episode. Oh, my. Oh, my. No, this, uh, according to the director and uh, the writers, this is an homage to the original actor, George Takei, rhymes with OK. Uh, that plays Or Toupe.
2: Or, or that's that, so is <laughs> How I know how to say it.
0: So, yeah, of course, he played Sulu. Uh, He came out as gay a number of years ago. So, yes, this this is an homage. Um, But, ironically, George Takei is actually against making the character of Sulu gay.
1: I was very surprised by that.
0: I was, too. And I guess he said that Roddenberry always wanted a gay character in Star Trek. But because of like whatever the political or you know the studio views at the time, they just they were never able to do it. Right. So I guess Gene Roddenberry always wanted Sulu to be considered straight, and so George Takei is more like respecting Gene Roddenberry's vision of that character, and so, and he said that he would rather have someone else in the movie be gay. But to me, if you're making one of the main characters gay, that's more impactful than just some random red shirt you're never going to see again. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's like a huge debate when it
2: comes to... Like in the LGBT community, it's a big debate with comic books and TV shows um, that are long established, like these characters that we've known for a long time, about whether you change or reveal in certain cases a sexuality that you didn't know about or whether you just create a new character and because of I mean this this debate happened all over again because of the Sulu thing but it it, it you find people even in the LGBT community who were on both sides strongly to say like some people say like no you have to create new characters because it's it cheapens the, the the impact and then on the other side you have people saying like yeah but no one's gonna pay attention to a new character if you create a new comic book with a brand new character, nobody knows, just so that you can introduce a gay character, it's not going to sell and it's not going to reach anybody so mm-hmm. it's a really interesting debate on both sides, but I feel like this is something that I don't know, I think it's easily explainable, which I talked to Eric about not too long ago yeah. like, I think this I don't think this is that this isn't that bizarre given what the star trek like the new Star Trek movies are, the fact right. that it's a, a completely separate <laughs> It's a separate alternate universe.
0: And, and yeah, that's what we talked about, Doug, was like you can have the original timeline Sulu still be a straight guy. Mm-hmm. But think about it. This is an alternate reality. And think about all the different mirror universes out there mm-hmm. where where I could be gay in an alternate universe. Like, there are so many decisions that affect people's lives, and who knows what happened in the alternate universe. I'm not saying that that turned Sulu gay, but maybe he was always bi, and then this just... He just... I don't well, know. Was, like, he got yeah. married to Well, a that guy. was my big
2: thing when we were talking about it. or Honestly, when I just first read about it, when I heard even just George Takei's response to it and other people's response to it, I, it, it surprised me because I didn't think that people were going to understand it as making every Sulu that ever existed suddenly gay. Like, right. I didn't realize that's how people were going were gonna to interpret it, which is why I started thinking like, well, yeah, but if Sulu is a bi or a pansexual character, which is just basically somebody who, whose attraction doesn't rely on, on gender identity, then yeah, we're go- like depending on the things that happen in his life, he could he could meet this person or that person or that's you know this race or that whatever, and there could be this infinite number of possibilities where Sulu is always with a very different type of of
0: person, and I, I think that's super cool. Like I think that's mm-hmm. so and,
3: interesting.
0: Yeah, and uh, just the concept of like alternate realities and different universes, I mean. Literally, the possibilities are endless. And, again, that's embracing what we talked about last time with the infinite diversity and infinite combinations. That's essentially what a multiverse is. It's, you know, all these different decisions. And, actually, this, this kind of brings up another thing, Doug. Like, when you mentioned, like, being pansexual and whatever, yeah. I feel like more people in the, in the Star Trek universe of the future would be that way because of there's so many different alien races and we'll probably look at, different genders and look all this Kirk kind of stuff. Look
1: at and all of the <laughs> uh, alien women that he's been with. Yeah. It was actually um, uh, some pastor came out against the Star Trek movies, the new ones, because Kirk was with these alien women that had tails and he related uh, it to bestiality.
0: Oh, stop. Oh, I remember that guy. I yeah. think we
1: might have talked about it a while oh, ago. In oh, we
0: did when, when the movie first came out. I mean, yeah. come on. It's like, if you... If y- <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if, if I was single in the Star Trek universe... I would want to be Kirk too. I mean, <laughs> the amount of like crazy different alien stuff. I mean, fulfill whatever fantasy you want. I guess in the weird Star Trek universe. But I'm sure I mean, they have a pill on. for
1: everything, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, the coolest thing about Star Trek is the fact that there's all these hypothetical situations come to life. You know, like we're so confined to our our own understanding of what gender and relationships are and mean that like what would it what would it mean to meet a species with more than two clearly biologically defined genders and then if we're constantly interacting with them, we don't even use the same labels anymore. If we only have two understood biological sexes and then our own gender matrix that we operate under, right. and then we meet a species like we meet a species that has a completely different like, like if family, we if like, we met the
0: Andorians, which have four,
2: apparently. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so if, I, if I'm if i in a relationship <laughs> with any one of those four different genders, like how do you label that? We only have so many labels that we can use based on our understanding. So.
0: Well, that's the thing. At that point, you can't label it.
2: It would right? be
0: impossible.
2: So I, I think this is fascinating. I think it's so cool. Um, and I, I think that people could be fine with it if... They understood it as an alternate, an alternate Sulu, as opposed to like we're rewriting who Sulu has been this whole time.
0: Right, and I think that's how George Takei took it. Like he meant it like, oh, this Sulu is gay, so that means my Sulu was gay too. Yeah. That's or, what. No, I mean it but, sounds. That's what it sounds like. That's his
2: understanding, which is his... right.
1: Uh, either way, I would be okay with making the original Sulu gay because there was no real instance where he had any sexual relationship with anyone in the series.
0: Right, and the only time that we saw something regarding his family was from Generations, when you saw Demora Sulu Mm -hmm. uh, being the helm officer of the Enterprise B. But still, that has nothing to do with his sexual identity. Right,
1: because right. in Over the up, movie there there's a picture that Sulu has of his daughter so the daughter still exists
0: yeah, in this alternate
1: timeline yeah so
0: yeah and yeah. i guess um i guess the like sulu's husband i from one of the new trailers that was released uh, it was revealed that the co-writer of the movie uh, i think his name is Doug Jong uh, he wrote the um, movie with Simon Pegg um, he actually cameos as Sulu's husband because you can oh, see wow. him in you see him in the trailer carrying Demora because they're on the oh, Yorktown station
1: I saw a still
0: of that yes and so you can see his wedding ring and you see the actress who's playing Demora Sulu so yeah that you see hu- Sulu's husband in the movie it's it's uh, this is just so huge. It's also huge
2: that that the character they're choosing is not a white guy, which would be one of the easiest things to do, or a white woman. I feel like it's the easiest character right now to like, to to say here's your gay character because it's one of the safest bets. Um, right. The fact that it's a you know a queer person of color is is pretty pretty interesting and cool that they're they're doing that.
0: I mean, they're 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 hitting it out like yeah. right out the gate with like a double wham. Like, yeah. Boom, boom. <laughs> what up, intersectionality? <laughs> Tons of
3: identities.
0: <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah, I I was really like like you, Doug. I was not expecting this to happen in the actual movie, like a summer blockbuster. Yeah. So it's great that it is. Like, this
2: is awesome. But it, it, well, you know what's interesting is it's they're this movie's handling the reveal of this character. Well, I guess there's there's like press about it, so it's not exactly we really right. talked about but if there were no press about it, they would basically be introducing this character's sexuality the exact way we talked about <laughs> revealing a character's sexuality in Star Trek which is like
0: just, it, it just it's happens the naturally their
2: family like yeah. this is their family and you draw your conclusions and it's it's obvious but it's not overstated
0: yeah but of course it's the press so they're gonna be like, wow Sulu's gay Wah, we, got, we gotta get our headline. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you know what actually surprises me more than anything else we've talked about is the fact that George. It seems like George Takei found out the same way we did. Pretty much, yeah. Um, well, no, they, no, no, no. they actually no? talked to him. About it. Okay. Like how? Wh- how? What does that process look like? Because, like, again, there's the press. So it, the timeline that you're following on the press is not the timeline in which things happen, but the way that it looks to people. And the way that it's sold to people is that it oh. happened. And then here's
0: his response. But like, no. what, what did that look like? So from from what I understood from uh, George Takei's interview was that when they were writing... When Simon Peg and Doug Jong were writing the movie, they approached uh, George Takei to say, hey, we're thinking about making a character gay in Star Trek and we want it to be Sulu. And he said, well, I don't know how I feel about that. I... You know, I want to respect Gene Ryanberry's wishes. So um, he he didn't say no either way, but he's kind of like, oh, I, I don't think you guys should do that. Okay. But they went and did it anyway. Yeah. And they so they kind of like they, – they gave him a heads up that yeah. they were doing it before. Okay. And we'll then he – he never heard back from them, so he didn't really know that it was confirmed until it was revealed by the press. Okay, well, because the
2: the one story I read, which is pretty misleading, was that was was them talking to John Cho and John Cho talking about the conversation that he had, I think, with George Takei. Didn't they have a conversation on the phone or something? They,
0: they also had a conversation because John Cho was like, "Well, you know, how should I represent this? Yeah. Can you give me advice?" Because John Cho is straight, and yeah. now he's playing a gay yeah. character, so of course he would, as an actor, want to get yeah. advice.
2: <laughs> yeah, but yes. apparently John Cho didn't know that that uh, George Takei was like, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I guess um, Zach Quinto and Simon Pegg were actually disappointed about uh, Takei's feelings on on the character, which yeah. Quinto himself is is gay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, if you really, if you deep dive into some of these conversations in the past, I don't know how many years, five years, where characters that haven't had relationships in the past or have, and then then suddenly revealed to be a sexuality that we didn't understand, you find so many people on both sides of this who are going to be, you know, they're going to be the Zachary Quinto in the situation, and they're going to be the George Takei in the situation. So it's really interesting.
0: Um, No. Now, is that, is that fairly common in these situations? Like, you see the divide happen pretty consistently al- along the same lines? I, at this point, it's kind of a continuing conversation, you know? Okay. like
2: So much so that I think people kind of already have a base for how they feel about handling characters this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when something like this happens, you'll have the people who say, like, well, see, this is, this is what we're talking about. Like, people... People are going to get annoyed that you're changing the vision, and then you have the people who are like, see, this is what we're talking about, which is that it's a character people already recognize, and so it's getting more publicity than if you just had a random so-and-so. So I, it's, I think from an insider perspective, um, I think it's been an ongoing conversation for a while. I, mostly it has mm-hmm. to do with comics. I mean, it it's, it's intertwined with, with what comics are doing now, which is... Inserting tons and tons of different identities of all sorts of different types into characters and names that haven't had them before. Marvel is doing it constantly by taking names of existing superheroes and giving them to new characters with a different identity than the previous character. So it's it's <laughs> the same conversation. It's just um, it's uh, it's interesting. I think to hear it, it's interesting to hear the population that you would expect to be solely excited
0: about it split. I, I wanted to ask you, when, like, Marvel Comics does this or, like, Comic Book does this, where they they, they turn a previous character that wasn't this orientation and they change the orientation, yeah. or, like, this movie, does it come across as gimmicky, or are they, or as or you see it, more that they're trying to catch up with the times? I think only speaking from
2: my own perspective, I think how it's handled def- defines whether it feels gimmicky or not, you know? So I think if you pick the right characters in the right situations, then you can create a pretty natural story. I think this is one of those instances where it's a very natural story. I think when it comes to what Marvel... I I don't know how DC's handling it, but I know how Marvel does it. And with Marvel, what what they've been doing on a consistent basis is taking names of superheroes we already know and giving those names and monikers to new... Characters. So it's not like they're just changing somebody's identity. They're just saying like, here's the new Spider Man. Here's the new Thor. Here's the, here's new, the new Captain Iron America. Man. Right. Here's the new Iron Man. And those Which are all now Iron Woman.
3: <laughs> yeah. So. Oh,
2: really. Well, there's. Yeah. They Marvel has a. It's it's a new thing, and it's it is almost feeling gimmicky at this point because they're doing it so frequently. Right. Um, where they're taking characters we already know and they're giving those superhero identities to somebody else. And those somebody else's always just so happen to be like a person of color or, you know, a non-straight, you know, individual or something. Mm-hmm. You know, some sort of non-binary thing. I think in individual circumstances, how you do it matters. You know, I think... Right. How you do it makes a huge, huge difference. I think uh, not that Fantastic Four 2015 or whatever is a good example of anything, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but they they changed the characters' race on that, and they just simply they just called them siblings, you know, and they yeah. didn't they didn't do anything else. They just they called them siblings, and they let you draw whatever conclusion you wanted. They didn't try to oversell it, they didn't try to overexplain it, they just did it, and I know people were pissed off about that, but in in practice, I mean, it worked out just fine. But it was a new iteration, and this is a new alternate universe, so I yeah. th- think it's just it, it's how you do it in the context. I think if, if suddenly there were a character that I knew and were really familiar with, let's use Peter Parker, I love Spider-Man, I love Spider-Man for a very long time, if suddenly they just decided, like, oh, by the way, Peter Parker's gay, straight up, yo, I'd be like, well, I mean, there's like sixty or fifty-four, well, however many years of like him only ever dating women. Um, yeah, you know, they would they would need to do something to really sort of explain how that happened. This is so perfect though, because I think, I think all you have to do is use your imagination a little bit to understand how one Sulu is straight and one Sulu is gay. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's I, an alternate. It's it's an alternate universe. Like, get over it. Like. <laughs> If it's not something you think about on a regular basis, I get how it's jarring. It's just... Oh, well, yeah.
3: Not that big a deal?
2: I don't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> My voice is up here. It's not big deal. <laughs> yeah.
2: I imagine this movie isn't going to surprise Be all about, you know, Sulu and his husband
0: and all of their right. relationship <laughs> troubles. You know, like... <laughs> It's It's just it's just, it, it's just Sulu the movie. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> right? I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, the the Enterprise will still go to warp if Sulu is gay. It's <laughs> exactly. fine. <laughs> exactly. Oh gosh. Um,
2: but no, I mean I think it's I think it's I think it's cool. Uh, so, this this does not feel gimmicky to me. Okay. That that's good. I'm for it. Still interested to see what the show does. This is not a past 2017 show. It's right. Not, it, I saw it, someone
1: post um, once the. They were making a joke, but they were saying that once this news came out, Brian Floyd was like,
0: No! <laughs> <laughs> was I good. wanted to do uh, that! <laughs> well,
2: you know, if you're listening, dude, like, there's still plenty of opportunities. The movie didn't exactly pick, like, the most risky thing to do, you know? Right. If you want to make a captain, like, a lesbian person of color, you know, you you still are going to get much more attention than, than uh, being the first person to put any LGBT person in there. Yeah.
1: So here's a weird question. How would you feel if uh, Captain Kirk uh, had a romantic encounter with a male character of the blue in the movie?
2: I think... I think, again, you'd have to think of some way to explain it, and I think in that sort of, in that sort of situation, I, I just feel like there's so much that would have to build up to that that it'd be hard to do it in a movie. Like if you right. did it in a movie, it would just be it, it would feel like a gimmick because it's like sudden. Um, right. the, Sulu is convenient in that I'm I'm not mistaken in understanding what you guys are saying, and that there is no evidence <laughs> ever that he's ever had so. a relationship outside of him having a daughter.
1: No, there there was one instance that I, the only instance that I remember happened in the mirror universe when yeah. Mirror Sulu was uh, made a pass at Uhura.
0: Mm. Yeah, and, and but... that's
1: the only instance, and that was in a mirror universe.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that was mirror universe Sulu. So oh, yeah. yeah, but so do anything. um, but they've I done mean...
2: stuff like that, haven't they? Where they've had character? Well, no, they haven't. They've almost done stuff like that with Riker, almost. right? where there was a genderless character who was intended to be played by a man. Yes. they've almost done that. And I guess that wouldn't feel that weird, right? I I mean, I haven't seen all of The Next Generation, but that's sort of part of Riker's thing is similar to Kirk's thing, right? Like, there's always these, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: these like, like romantic situations, romantic things. And so I think if, if the character were right, you could do it, but I don't know that a movie would work very well for somebody who's so established.
0: Right. And and that's a thing, like like what you you said, Doug, just now. Being established, it's pretty well established that Kirk is a womanizer. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, right. he is like going after the alien chicks. Yeah. So making well, Kirk suddenly gay and well, trust me, I know the fan fiction. I was going to say
2: it's going to start
0: feeling like yeah. fan
2: fiction. They, oh. they
0: paired <laughs> Spock with Kirk in many fans-slash-stuff.
1: And there that, are some hysterical uh, music videos uh, <laughs> of, of that uh, yeah. Google.
2: Uh, I think I've actually seen at least one of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
1: but here, here's um, a scenario that I was thinking about, because Daniel Craig's... Well, I, I don't know how truthful this is. Uh, they said Daniel Craig was open to having a... Uh, A kind of like a gay scene?
2: For James Bond?
1: For James Bond.
2: instead of a Bond girl, he has a Bond boy? That sounds weird. Yeah. (laughs) That does sound weird. (laughs) When you said
1: that, I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, like in a situation where you're trying to uh, seduce someone in order Uh, to get a girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what if Kirk was in a similar situation where he needed to seduce this male character.
0: But then again, then he's not... He's not gay. He's just pretending to
2: be. That's true. But I think there's something to be said about the fact that one, the actor would be willing to do it, and two, the character would be willing to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. plus then you have your explanation, and it, it, it would... Plenty of people would be would say exactly what you're saying, Eric, which is like that's not real though. But I do think it's still it's it's a positive step in the right direction if if Daniel Craig were willing to do it and then that character was also comfortable enough to be like, This is a job. <laughs> like this is what I'm yeah. what I'm doing, you know? Like I don't think anybody would bat an eye if Black Widow did it in the Avengers universe. Right? Yeah. Like if she tried to, to flirt with a woman, like no one mm. would think anything of it. But it would feel significant if Daniel Craig tried to do it or um, or rather, if James Bond tried to do it and if Kirk tried to do it. Yeah. I think that's probably the closest you could get with certain characters, though. Like, I think it would be really, really difficult to suddenly try to argue that there's a natural explanation for, uh, like, a gay relationship with, with Kirk. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know that I could explain why, but it's what I yeah, feel like. Yeah, no,
1: I'm no, gonna... it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, Doug, thank you for joining us for this discussion.
2: Yeah, yes. thanks for having me again. Like I said, it was like a really cool coincidence. Oh, definitely.
1: <laughs> and uh, I hope the uh, TNG rewatch goes well, and uh, uh, hopefully we can have you on again and uh, discuss some TNG. Yes,
2: yes, I would love to. I'm, I'm halfway, well, I'm more than halfway through the first first season. May,
0: so. Maybe we can have a, a Season 1 Next Generation recap with you, Doug.
2: Hey, I'm, I'm open to it, whatever... Whatever uh, sounds good to you guys sounds good to me. Cool. Cool. All right. All right. right, So we'll see you later. See you.
1: So let's jump into the subspace channels. Hailing frequency is open. And this week's question, what is your favorite checkoff moment? Now, Eric, do you have any moments?
0: Actually, I do. It is uh, the episode, uh, The Gamesters of uh, Triskelion. They're on that. They're on that planet,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, on the planet Triskelion, and I mean, they're in a situation where they have to fight. So there was what's called a a drill thrall that was chosen for him, and her name was Tamun. And there's like hilarious scenes with them where she really likes Chekhov. but okay. he's like, I like he. It's clear that he wants no part of like her, any of her advances. So I thought that's a very hilarious moment for Chekhov. It's okay. he's just super out of his element and really doesn't know what to do. And I always thought that Chekhov was good for those like lighter moments in Star mm.
1: Trek. Yeah. Good pick. What about you? Uh, so I'm going to have to go with
0: nuclear vessels.
1: no, So what I'm going to pick is the moment he realizes in Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan, that he's found the remains of the Botany Bay.
0: Oh, like that really dramatic moment where he realizes, Oh no, we've got to get out of here. Yeah. And, and the captain's like, what are you talking about? Like Mm -hmm. what's, what's going on? No, that was a very dramatic moment for Chekhov for sure. Yeah. And, and very well acted by uh, Walter Koenig.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, so that was my moment. And uh, let's jump in here. Uh, we have an email response from our friend Clive Burrell of Some Kind of Star Trek, who says, has to be nuclear vessels. High point of a movie that actually utilized Chekhov uh, nearly as well as The Wrath of Khan. Second place has to be his uh, uh, seti eel uh, They put
0: creatures in our ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. moment. Yeah, that was kind of gruesome. That was very gross, yeah. yeah. I, I felt bad for Chekhov, very bad for him
1: oh yeah and they used um for for the movie these big ears where they big fake ears where they put these like things <laughs> we yeah, the animatronic
0: animatronic yeah. thing
1: into the air which looked uh you know creepy especially when you're a kid watching that oh
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah clive also says you could put me down for the fight in trouble with tribbles in fact Chekhov has some awesome moments in that episode from the very first scene
0: yeah uh Chekhov really kicked butt in there <laughs>
1: yeah most definitely we don't have all the answers here uh we did have to pick and choose uh so if yours didn't make this list try again next time and hopefully we'll be able to get yours in where we just cut them for time
0: okay Sounds good.
1: And from Facebook, we have Gary L. Nordine, who says, "Guess who's coming to dinner?" And uh, th- for those who don't know, that's from Star Trek VI: <laughs> The Wrath of Khan. Uh, that's uh, that was.
0: Wait, Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country. You <laughs> said Star the wrath Trek. Of Khan? <laughs> Six, the wrath of Khan, I know we've you've uh, got Khan on the brain, uh, uh,
1: but I do because yeah, you actually <laughs> just recently got your fedex thing I, I got
0: my envelope to send back my copy of uh the wrath of Khan blu-ray to get right. the corrected edition
1: right so that that's excellent news
0: yes uh but yes the guess who's coming to dinner when with the klingons coming on board the enterprise yeah that was a hilarious moment yeah um also on facebook fred cutler said when he frowns at scotty and says this is vodka <laughs> with uh, in the in the trouble with trouble I like
1: how we're trying to uh, duplicate his Russian accent.
0: Yeah, very horribly, <laughs> very
1: horribly. Uh, next, we have Cynthia Aiken, who says, "Any time he said it was invented by a Russian."
0: Yeah, that was a nice uh, running joke uh, with with Chekhov. Uh, John A. McBeaver said, "The agony booth. Uh, the agony booth is a most effective means of discipline." Uh, quote by evil Spock. Well, not evil mirror Spock. I don't know why I said evil. Right. Uh,
1: and, uh, he also included the picture of Chekhov in the agony booth, which, uh,
0: yeah, which, uh, to be fair is very difficult to act pain convincingly. Right. And I think Walter Koenig did a superb job in that episode because he made it look painful. Yes, he did. Um,
1: a credit to the character, and the actor. Yes. Uh, next, we have Edison Bruce, who says, "In the undiscovered country, uh, perhaps you are aware of the Russian epic of Cinderella. If the shoe fits, wear it." Then he has here. Uh, camera focuses on a foot that cannot possibly fit in any shoe. Another yeah, great w- scene from Yeah Star Trek Six.
0: It's uh, Star Trek Six is one of my favorite or is my favorite original series movie.
1: Uh, Likewise. It's definitely my favorite.
0: Uh, Joshua E. Coop said, uh, this is like reenacting a scene. Uh, Chekhov says cloaking device now available on all flight modes. Uh, Kirk said, I'm impressed. That's a lot of work for a short voyage. Uh, Chekhov said, we are in an enemy. Wessel, sir. I do not wish to be shot down on our way to our own funeral. And Kirk said, "Good thinking," and that was from Star Trek 4.
1: Uh, yeah, good, good, funny scene. Like you said, uh, well, I think you might have said he uh, Chekhov has the lighter moments in the series and definitely in the films. Oh yeah, Harold <laughs> Armstrong is next, who says that scene from Star Trek Four when he wakes up in the hospital. Name: Chekhov, Pavel. Rank: Admiral. Smiling.
0: <laughs> i I do love, yeah i god I forget that there's all these like wonderful little check off moments
1: yeah it's such a great character,
0: yeah, uh on twitter uh blasquez j. l. Ayanti said the Star trek four nuclear whistles and Star Trek into Darkness uh changed to red shirt
1: yeah, two good moments uh there that the change from the gold to red.
0: Which looked pretty good on Chekhov, I, I gotta say.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, next, moving on to Google Plus, we have Julian Katz who says I realized Chekhov was unconscious in the scene. The whole hospital drama centering around him was hilarious. McCoy. My God, man, drawing holes in his head is not the answer. The artery must be repaired. Now put away your butcher knives. Let me save this patient before it's too late.
0: Oh yeah. I mean that there wasn't a scene where Chekhov spoke, but you know what Julian said that the whole drama around him was funny. Uh next we have Michael Morgan, uh which is a Scotch! It was invented by a little old lady from Leningrad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh that's
1: pretty funny. Chekhov. Uh, so that was it for the subspace channel. So we're going to close the frequency and we're going to go <laughs> into our final segment of the show.
0: And I am so glad that you put this as your quantum state in a flux because it's mine too. Good. So we can
1: share flux, fluxes. Uh, <laughs> with, with our
0: our quantum states will be in line.
1: Right but in flux with everyone else or maybe <laughs> no. not. I'm sure this is also yeah. flexing to uh, many people. Yes. Uh, so do you know what puts my quantum state into flux? Fans dissing Rihanna because they do not believe she is a fan. What gives?
0: Okay. This has pissed me off. I saw whenever Star Trek posted on Facebook and Facebook is the worst for this. Mm-hmm. The absolute worst. If you go onto any post on Star Trek's Facebook page, their official page where they are where they are promoting Rihanna and her new video, you will see a ton of just slanderous and like this whole uh, fake fangirl f- drama where I'm sorry I'm swearing but you see these guys like basically gatekeeping the fandom like right. oh well she's not really a fan they gave her that shirt or uh, this is just a stupid stunt to promote a movie or oh she's such a whore this and that and blah because of her drama with this and it's like what the hell does that have anything to do with her being a fan it doesn't and i hate I hate these, like, freaking gatekeeper man a-holes that are like, oh, well, I want her to name uh, three or four episodes to prove that she's a fan. Or I want her to take a quiz before blah, blah, blah. Shut the hell up. If you are a person that at any point in your life has watched a Star Trek episode and liked it, Congrats, you're part of the fandom. I don't right. care if you've seen one episode, 100, or over 750 and all the movies. If you are a fan of Star Trek, you're a fan. I, I don't have to... If I see a girl wearing a Star Trek shirt, I, I don't go, oh, well, she's just wearing that because it's popular. Uh, like right. uh, She's probably never watched an episode in her life. No! That mentality is the worst. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe we're in a fandom where we have these kind of people that are like, oh, well, blah, 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 racist, blah, 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 de- derogatory term, blah, blah, blah. Well, she's not a real fan. Blah. Like, are you a real fan at that right. point? Like, have you actually watched Star Trek? Because... To me, Star Trek is all about acceptance and diversity, and we've talked about that many times on this show. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. some random dude to say about Rihanna, well, she's not a real fan until she takes this test, or, oh, they just paid her a lot of money, blah, or, yeah, that was a nice script that they had her memorize. Like, screw you. Right. And I, these, are probably,
1: me, these are probably the same people that are saying the J.J. movies The Kelvin timeline isn't really Star Trek. These are the same people and they just need to shut up and (laughs) stop using the internet and just deal with it.
0: Yeah, they definitely need to deal with it because when I, like I had no before this, I had no idea that Rihanna was a fan of Star Trek to me when they made that video and she's like, Oh yeah. You know, I watched as a little kid, my dad, you know, made me watch some episodes. I loved the characters, this and that. Like, to me, I was like, wow, I had no idea Rihanna was a fan of Star Trek. And it made me actually appreciate her a lot more because I'm like, wow, that's someone I never expected to be a Star Trek fan. And I think it's really cool that they are. And if she wasn't a fan, why would she even consider doing this video for star trek and writing a song specifically for star trek right like that that doesn't happen like sure they can like wave a bunch of money in her face or whatever but that the whole message of that of that of that song and uh, i mean it's it's prime for star trek and i thought the video was amazing and mm-hmm. i'm sure she had some uh, input for that as well, uh, especially with the cu- choreography and all that stuff. so to say that like she's not a fan or you know it's that whole fake geek girl thing like just stop like i I, I don't understand I mean Star Trek was saved because a woman led the fan writing campaign in the 60s mm. like the female fan base for Star Trek has saved this show. Like, we wouldn't have a 50th anniversary.
1: I mean, are they saying that Rihanna's too cool to be a Star Trek fan? Is that what they're saying? Because that means that I'm not... They're saying I'm not cool. And I'm not cool with that.
0: (laughs) No, I don't think it's like that she's too cool for Star Trek. It's, It's more of like the... Well, is she really a fan? Like, it's it's just that fake geek girl thing. It's like yeah. we have a bunch of men in this fandom. They're like, oh, well, she's a highly successful woman. She clearly can't like Star Trek.
1: Like, right. what is it? Yeah.
0: It just it makes no sense to me. And if you read those Facebook comments, you will descend into madness because reading reading this bigotry and all this stuff. It's like. I For Star Trek fans, like, we got a lot of work to do. Or at least some of the people in this fandom. Because, yeah. holy crap. Like, really, watch the show again and maybe learn something. It's right. not all about cool lasers.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> I always thought Star Trek fans were like myself and like you. Open-minded and yeah, and stuff. And then the internet happened. And then I realized... <laughs> Nope. There are some people out there that are just, frankly, terrible people, but they just happen to like Star Trek. They happen to like something I like. Right. And I, I know. I know. I don't know. It makes me sad.
0: <laughs> no, it, it makes me sad, too. And I really, I really try not to focus on people like that, because if you go to any of these Star Trek conventions, you're going to meet some very fantastic and wonderful people. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think a lot of these people that are saying this stuff are basically internet trolls and they have like no function in the real world or they're just highly bigoted. And in that case, why are you even watching star Trek? Like for real. Right. So yeah, when, when I saw all that stuff, um, I mean, I, I spoke out on Twitter quite a number of times over the past couple weeks about it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was reacting to what I was seeing, and it it was disgusting to me. It really was.
1: I, I so. agree. I agree with you. Yeah. And uh, that's what put our quantum states into flux <laughs> uh, for the last couple of weeks. The video came out a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is something I was thinking about. I knew I saw your post about it too. So I figured, uh, yeah, this is what is putting my quantum state into flux and uh, we need to talk about it.
0: Yeah. And really, I think if, if people do encounter this kind of stuff online, uh, confront it, just call it out Uh, because it's, it's the 50th anniversary. I'm sick of drama hogs trying to capitalize on the 50th anniversary with their own drama or making the 50th anniversary about them. Guess right. what? It's not about you. It's about celebrating the fandom and celebrating 50 years of this amazing franchise, which brought us all together. Right. I, I wouldn't be doing a podcast if I didn't love Star Trek. Right. That, like That's the thing. So, right. Man, I'm just like, I'm, I'm fired. That has like re fired me up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess. Uh, I'm going to have to
0: watch, I'm going to have to watch a Klingon based episode of Star Trek.
1: <laughs> to get out your necessary.
0: anger. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, Eric, as always, it was a pleasure uh, talking Star Trek with you this week. Likewise. And uh, until next time, everyone, uh, live long and prosper. Uh, Eric, if we want to find you on the internet, how would we do so?
0: Yeah, you can search for me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, basically online in general at TrekkieB47. Uh, You can also find my podcast at rangercommand.com for Power Rangers and all of the social links are on that site.
1: Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at Nova Charter. And if you liked our episode and if you liked previous episodes of the podcast, please rate our podcast on iTunes uh, if you get the chance to do so. And until next time, let's see what's out there. Engage.
0: Oh, wait, that's another one.
1: You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on facebook.com slash and add us to your circle on Google Plus by going to Google.sfescapepod.com.